welcome to another episode of the DreamInco.net podcast, where we interview industry experts, developers, and geeks about the latest programming trends and dreaming code happenings. Here's your host, Ben Delamarski. All right, so we are on Dreaming Code podcast again, and today our guest is Dogstopper or Steven Schwann, right? Exactly. Right. Perfect. Yeah, so uh, introduce yourself, who you are, and what do you do? Um, I'm Steven Schwann. I'm, uh, I'm just a student at the moment. Um, it's pretty much what I do. I'm in high school. So you're a senior, um, graduated? I'm, I'm a rising junior, actually. Oh, Okay, so uh, so we know that you are planning on pursuing a degree in computer science. Oh, why computer science? Um, I love it. It's it's very fascinating. I love the problem solving uh, that's involved with it. Um, you know, it's just something I really enjoy doing. So that's why I want to pursue it. Yeah, but uh, what is one aspect that you considered when? Uh, choosing the major like is it just the problem solving or there was some some other thing um well it, it's just an overall very good career i mean computer science is a growing field um there's a great demand for computer science um i love everything about it to my uh experience so far so it just seems like a really good um field to get into so uh in your high school where uh, you're a junior are there any are there many peers from your group that are planning on taking the same path? Um, not to my knowledge. I think there's maybe one other student, um, but not very many uh, in my high school. So do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, personally? Personally, I think that there could be a lot more from my school, considering that I'm from a very scientific area. Um, but... That's just uh, preference for me. I mean, just from what I've seen, I see that there's a lot of people that could do very well in the field and just haven't tried it yet. What steps could you name that you took to prepare for the major? Like, I don't know, maybe prepare career-wise, like research, or maybe prepare experience-wise? I think Dream and Code has been my best preparation both just the learning and the teaching that I've done, it really keeps me aware of the changing fields and of how I need to be prepared, considering all the students that come through Dream and Code and seeing what they have done and what they're doing. Basically, you think like you are a mentor at, an, at a very young age, actually. So do you think that the fact that you are directly involved in helping students helped you grow like by yourself? Oh, yes, very much. A lot of the questions that I get, I don't directly know the answer to, but with the experience that I have, I can pursue the answer and find it, and that in turn helps me learn. So what could be some of the extracurricular opportunities that uh, you did take advantage of that probably helped you advance in your current high school career and a future computer science career? I don't think that I have had very many of those. I think I've just... Pretty much just taught myself, just sitting at home, having fun, programming and teaching and done a lot of uh, research, a lot of just a lot of learning on my own. I enjoy doing it. So no programming yeah. clubs, no anything like that? Not at my school, no. It's pretty much just me. 
So when did you start learning programming? I started when I was about 13, 12, somewhere around there. Now I'm 16, so about three and a half, four years. Wow, well that's that's quite, like, for, for what you know in three years, it's quite of an achievement. What was the main reason you started programming? Like, what was the thing that you were like, oh hey, I'm just going to do this? Like, I know many people, like parents especially, can tell you that, oh hey, you're going to be like a medic or a lawyer or I don't know what, and you're just like programming. What got you started? Well, I mean, my dad is a very scientific person. He's not a direct programmer, but it caused me to enter into a lot of the special classes at school where I was, I started Lego Robotics, you know, as a, uh, as a class. The language that they used was Mindstorms, which was a, uh, just a drag and drop programming thing. You know, you know, you just dragged a couple bricks here and there, but I, I knew that there was a bit more to programming than that. I just sort of looked into it because it was something that I had enjoyed doing, the programming of the Legos. Yeah, so do you still do robotics, like that kind of stuff? Well, when I moved, there was no, um, no robotics over here. So that sort of ended, but the programming continued. So that's definitely something that... So what is your platform of choice? My platform? Well, for school-related stuff, I use Windows just for the heck of the standards. You know, teachers need stuff turned in in a specific format. Yeah. And me being a high school student, we don't have a heck of a lot of programming-related stuff. Yeah. So Windows does what I need it to do. I, I like Linux. I use Linux a lot. Um, I use Ubuntu. Um, uh-huh. So it's... I like the libraries that allow me to do uh, stuff natively. Obviously, me being a Java guy, I can work with Java on all the systems as well. Oh, so you're working with Java? Uh, for the most part, I work with Java, although I dabble with some other languages as well. What, like what languages? Like, could you name a few? Yes, I, uh, I dabble with Python a lot, but right now, um, I do some C and C++. Not experienced with it, but I, I work with it sometimes. Do you do system development, web development, mobile, like for embedded devices? What kind of development you do? I do system for the most part. I like integration with uh, system web interactions. Mm-hmm. That's something that I'm beginning to get into, client-server activities. But me not having a formal uh, programming education, I haven't fully gotten into that part of it yet. Do you like learn by yourself books or stuff or you have maybe courses or something? Yeah, besides yeah. dreaming code. Yeah, I learned by myself. I, I took I took AP computer science when I was a freshman. I had already dubbed in doing Java for I think two uh, a year or two by that time and pretty much reviewed for the first three quarters of the year and then the rest of it was learning how to use the uh, API that they provide. Uh, most of what I know has, I've learned through the internet, through books, through Dream and Code. AP Computer Science, so this, this is like an advanced class, and considering that you were in, a, it, it was your freshman year, and until now it's like three years since you do programming. Do you participate in any programming contests, competitions? Um, I know there are quite a few actually about Java and stuff. No, I really don't have a lot of time for that. I, I prefer to spend my time doing other things right at the very moment. Um, I do do the Dream and Code 52 Weeks of Code, and that's that's not really a 
competition. It's just it's familiarizing mm-hmm. myself. The uh, the new API competition that's uh, going on right now at Dream and Code. I uh, beginning to look at that. That seems really interesting. From a student's perspective, what do you think are the qualities that make a uh, good software developer? Well, I think a software developer should um, take into account the audience for which they're programming. If it's an advanced computer user, then the user the interface doesn't have to be as super uh, easy to use as, say, a, you know, a Joe Average user. And it should also you know, have obviously as few bugs as possible, but we all know how that goes. Yeah, true. <laughs> Maintainable code is another thing because you never know if your client, since I do a, a few client-related stuff, mm-hmm. if your client is going to have another programmer um, update code later on in the future. So it's got to be maintainable and readable is another thing, you know, with comments and proper indentions. And it just makes it easier to find errors and makes it easier to maintain. All of those things, I think, contribute to a good software developer. So you mentioned uh, maintainable code. Like, this is one topic I always try to talk more about. And uh, what is your opinion? What's better, readable code or a lot of comments in the code? Readable, I think, for, for uh, programmers is more useful. Because if, if you can't read it, then there's going to be an issue. Uh, comments are very nice, but I think they're a lot uh, for advanced programmers. You know, you don't need a super ton of comments like you do when you're a student or you're teaching or whatever like that. Just to sort of, sort of say what you're doing instead of step-by-step comments. This is one of the things, like, sometimes you see code where it's like every single line is commented. And when you see, like, something like system.out.println hello world and there's a comment like it prints a hello world line i think that actually interferes with good maintainable code because if there's comments all over the place it's hard to actually find and look through all the code that you're given to find what you need to find for you how does it feel to be one of the youngest mentors on dreaming code especially in the java section where there's great demand for help we got people from various companies asking for help we got uh, students so that's quite of a fastly evolving area so how do you feel about that being one of the youngest mentors on dreaming code is definitely something that has made me feel really great um being surrounded by a whole ton of experienced developers that can you know continue helping me learn and all these students who i continue to help learn that's just great to me and since i love to teach that's something that i enjoy doing you know being in the java section there's virtually no end to the questions being yeah. asked. Yeah, and we can see that in the Dreaming Code forums, there's like every day, I think we could number them in hundreds already because there are like a lot of them. Yeah, usually a page or two a day. When I log in, I go through about a page of threads checking stuff. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, is it taking like a lot of time to answer the, those questions for you? Right now, not a lot. I, I tend to look over a lot of things being done correctly. If there's unanswered questions, I, I answer them. But a lot of the younger, uh, you know, actually, a lot of the uh, experts and other mentors really, really help me because there's a lot of experts in Java that really, really helps the workload. What would be your recommendations tool-wise for Java developers and why? For Java developers, um, advanced Java developers, well, I, uh, I'm yeah. Gonna- from like from your students' perspective, like for 
just you can name for advanced for beginners because we get a lot of questions like what IDE should I choose? What I don't know. There's probably just one Java compiler, right? Uh, yeah, just yeah. Like JDK. Yeah, yeah. So IDE wise, some tools, some additionals. So what what would you name? I name uh, for advanced use Eclipse and NetBeans are some of the two most commonly used ones. And I personally use Eclipse because I like the user interface there. But NetBeans uh, works great as well. For students and, and learning Java developers, though, um, there are several threads about that and varying opinions. But my perspective says that they should learn with a, a text editor of some form, probably the syntax highlighting, like Notepad++ or a Programmer's Notepad, because it helps them see the different parts of code with the syntax, but it doesn't do it a lot of it for them like IDEs do, so they can truly learn how it works. So basically, so what you're trying to say is that beginner developers who just who just like start with the programming stuff should not like rely on IDE stuff. Yeah. I, I, uh -huh. I don't. I know basically like compiling from Notepad or something can be a little bit of a frustrating task. So um, I think that it teaches them though what they need to know. The IDE does a lot more than uh, meets the eye, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the uh, computers that you'll be using later on when you go into professional development and stuff won't oftentimes have the IDE that you're familiar with. So knowing how to do it from the command line and text editor is a good knowledge to know. Oh, and there's always um, help on the internet to figure out how to do it. Um, Dreaming code, we're kind of used to those questions in Java form. So that's something that you can always get help with. Do you think that your uh, current preparation will help you succeed in college, like the knowledge you have now? Or would you say that you need more experience for that stuff? For my freshman year in college, I think I'm definitely prepared. For more advanced classes, I think that, you know, if I were to go directly into an advanced class, mm -hmm. I might need to know more. But I don't think that is uh, that's an issue because during my freshman year, I'll be learning that stuff anyway. For right now, I think that I, I will be okay for college. Okay. Uh, what kind of projects that you've worked on so far are considered to be well, by yourself, of course, like your most complicated pieces of work. None of my works are hugely long, but I've done a lot of uh, graphics-related stuff with Java. I've done a ton of uh, games and learning how to set up games correctly and how to get all the frame rates set. And that's, that's a lot of stuff that I have learned doing. Also, with Java, when doing games, right, the, the GUIs that you use to paint on aren't thread safe if you're using uh, Swing, which is one of the frameworks that Java developers use quite frequently. It, it's not thread safe, and games oftentimes require threading. So there's, there's some challenge there. And so I've created several applications that have built-in multi-threaded capabilities which requires to tie into all the back frameworks and stuff. It's not easy. That's definitely something interesting, and um, I cannot say that's a small project. So yeah, that, that's quite of an interesting piece of code. My next question is, okay, these are the projects, but could you name some of your, maybe that you consider to be some of your achievements on the programming field? Like besides projects, maybe some, I don't know, awards or participation in any camps or something like that? Like I said, where I'm located right now doesn't have a huge amount of competitions or a huge amount of that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I'd say my 
biggest achievement is what I've done on Dream Code. It's no small task becoming a mentor, and that's something that I definitely would say is my achievement because it helps the programming community, and it will help it in the future because of the, the teaching that goes on there. Now we are going to uh, switch to another part of our podcast when we're going to discuss about some of the topics that were in Dreaming Code. So I'm just going to send you the links for them. So the first link is called Knowing a Language, and it talks about when can someone actually say that they know a language. Some people say that it it is when you pretty much cover the syntax, you know, the like the keywords and the structures. Some people say this when you are like when there's an algorithm and you are just like, oh, I know how to do this here. So in your opinion, when would you say that you know a language? Yeah, I was looking at this thread and I was uh, I was thinking about it. I would say that knowing a language there is there is an extent to the standard libraries that you can learn in Java and C++ and languages like that. Mm -hmm. But there is no end to the libraries that are created by third parties and stuff that makes programming a lot easier for the developer. But knowing a language probably comes when you're familiar with it and you're familiar with some of the main libraries that are being used, which sometimes can take up to, you know, years to, to learn. Talking about yourself, can you say that you know Java? I can say I know standard Java. I can't say I know um, a lot of the stuff like XML parsing and stuff like that, mm -hmm. which is sort of, it's standard because Java library is huge, but it's not something that we encounter very frequently. And I can always look in the API there for help and learn it really quickly. I would say that I know standard Java, but I don't know the entirety of Java. How many, like you mentioned standard Java. Like I, I would assume this like the, uh, I didn't work much with Java, so I'm a more of a .NET guy, but uh, standard Java, is it like a, uh, like, standard set of libraries that comes with JDK? JDK has a huge number of uh, packages, okay, which, which are um, standard, I guess. But the most common ones you'll run into are, you know, input, output, things that you'll run across frequently. If you're a GUI developer, you'll use the GUI packages. I guess standard is sort of uh, subjective to what you actually do. If you're an XML developer, obviously, those will be standard to you. But the library of Java is so, so big. It's very difficult to say I know all of the libraries. So another question connected to libraries here, like also to knowing a language. What is your opinion on, you know, when there is a task and you are put in a situation when you have to choose, you have you can either use a third-party library to do some stuff or you can write it yourself. Like, would you write it yourself or just download a library from, I don't know, SourceForge, CodePlex, whatever, and just put it in the code and, like, integrate it? Usually, I write all my stuff myself because I know what it does, exactly how it works. But if it's an extremely in-depth thing, like, you know, a, a web browser parser that changes the HTML to, mm -hmm. you know, uh, what displays on your screen, then that's, that's a huge project in itself. And that would definitely be something I would go to SourceForge or CodePlex and look at some libraries there. If you're doing a project, you don't want to have a project inside of a project inside of a project to do. So basically you would just say that you're kind of like keeping keeping it 
to a minimum, like the number of third-party libraries? Yes, yes, I, I would keep it to a minimum because knowing what's going on with your code increases speed, increases security because you know how it all works if you write it yourself. And our next question is, I just sent you the link and it's called how to get the first gig. How to get the first gig talks about getting the first programming like kind of a job or contract or yeah, maybe like an assignment or something. How would you approach this problem? Like you mentioned that you do some client work like for someone. I, yeah. And basically, how, how did you get there? How, how did it all happen that you got some people to get your work? Uh, I do some minor contracting work at the moment. Nothing, uh, nothing massive. But my employer is a lady that is a, a friend of my family's. And she knew that I was a mentor on Dream and Code. She knew that I was... Uh, very familiar with computers and how to how to program and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So she she owns an IT business, and so she gets contracts from people and then distributes them amongst different uh, programmers who do stuff with it. And she came to me and said, "All right, well, I got a, a I got a little job for you to do, and let's see how you uh, let's see how you handle it." And so that's that was the beginning of my gig, my first client thing that I did. Just a simple file transfer and mm-hmm. rewriting a navigation for a website, but it was still technically my first gig. It started as a like simple project, and do you consider that that's something you can like put in your resume or? Yes, I do because it's it's um it's continuing. Mm-hmm. The lady gives me more and more small projects, and then my father is also works at a laboratory who uh, I'm not allowed to say a lot about this but you know that asked me to write them a couple demo programs you know to show what I can do and you know just getting your work out there writing demo programs for companies is uh, I think a very important part of it start with small project and then kind of like just start with bigger ones like once you get experience or like that I say that yeah writing small projects that are error free for companies, you know, uh, demos, you know, show what you're capable of doing. I think that's a major contributor to your first gig. Our next question is, once again, I'm just sending the link. Hey, it's called uh, get it working versus get it working the right way. There are a lot of projects where developers, like I often encounter code that's like, okay, it works. So just there's like a comment or something like just don't touch it. Because it works. So what would be your approach? Like get it working or get it working the right way so there's like no don't touch it or it burns comments. Like I said in one of your earlier questions, what makes a good software developer? I definitely think that getting it working the right way in the end is a good thing. But you know, for a massive application, getting it working first is the first step, I think, and then optimizing it later uh, to make it work better. Uh, in some cases, that's the better way. In other cases, getting it working the first time so you don't have to go back through and optimize it is a better thing. It really just depends on the size and the uh, magnitude of the application, I think. But definitely, in the end, I think it should work the right way. Uh, like I said earlier, for maintainability, readability, that sort of thing. Did you ever get in a situation where you were like, maybe some because of some time restraints or you just had to just okay it works and just just leave it like that when i was learning how to program 
I haven't had a major, major gig yet where I've had to do, you know, something huge yet. But when I was learning programming, it was a, uh, a thing that I'd do, you know, because I'd get frustrated with it and just give up. And getting it working was just amazing in itself. So I definitely understand why students do it. I'm not saying it's a good thing to do, though. As to oh, to the end of this podcast, what could be your final advice for aspiring developers and those who want to go to college for a computer science degree, like from your personal perspective? I say that continuing education is a good thing. You know, after college is a good thing. Being familiar with what you're doing before actually approaching the task is a good thing. You know, doing some beforehand research, sort of what you're going to be encountering is a good thing. Uh, like I said, the continuing education part is the, the field is so constantly changing, even in the time that I've been developing, which isn't crazy long. It's only four, three and a half years, like I said. But things have changed even in that amount of time. And learning how to change and meet the newest uh, ways to do things, I think, is definitely one of the the biggest pieces of advice I would I would give. Okay, that's great. And uh, to end our podcast, I'm going to say that cover some of the Dreaming Code news. And first of all, we got uh, some people promoted to experts. And our newest hmm. experts are, I'm just, I'm just going to pronounce the nicknames like they are, but I'm not sure if I do it the right way. So the first one is Dormilic, then is Frinawail, T-L-I-G-I-N-T-O-Q, Megas, Banfa, Selim C, and Insert Alias. So congratulations to them. They did a great job. And we have the Dreaming Code Summer of API Contest rolling where you can implement something with a Dreaming Code API, which is, like, some people say it's not really an API, but we're working on it. So it's the first step towards a full API. It now works as a more of an XML query, but prizes are for the first place. There's a four gigabyte Microsoft Zune with custom XNA engraving and $250. For the second place, we offer hardware by Acron Computer Designer Repair and there are some cool programming books. For the third place, there's a caffeine case, there's Red Bull, and a Dreaming Code mousepad. And of course, uh, our honorable mention, there's going to be a Microsoft Windows 7 Home Premium, a digital download. And the submission due is August 31st, 2010. And you can find the tips and the rules in the uh, links provided in the podcast show notes. So it was Dan Delamarski with you today. And it was Dogstopper, a.k.a. Steven Schwan. And we talked about... Uh, getting experience while you're in high school and preparing for college. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you.